You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So is that a joint? Or is it a cigar? No. Okay. It's um, marijuana inside of uh, tobacco. April has been a wild ride for the richest man in the world, Elon Musk. Yeah, I think I tried one once. Come on, man. (laughs) And no, it's not because he got stoned with Joe Rogan again. I mean, it's legal, right? It's totally legal. Okay. Musk has been in the news all month alongside Twitter, his favorite social media platform. Liz Lopato, deputy editor of The Verge, tell us, what was the biggest headline of them all? Elon Musk offers to buy Twitter in hostile takeover attempt. I think that's the I think that's the big one. There's some stuff leading up to it, but that's that's the whammy. And how do the folks at Twitter feel about this? Well, they've just deployed a poison pill, which is like a takeover defense, if you will. So I feel like not super positive. They haven't responded to his bid yet, but the fact that they've deployed the so-called shareholder rights plan mm, suggests that they're not feeling like super friendly about this particular bid, which kind of makes sense if you've been following some of the nonsense that's been going on for the last couple of weeks. Well, We're talking about Elon Musk here and doing wild, weird projects is sort of his M.O. But why does he want to buy Twitter? Is this a money move or what? I don't think this is a money move, to be honest with you. Like Twitter is its margins are okay. I think like a 5% profit margin on the business. But as social media platforms go, it's not the biggest. It's not the most lucrative. It's not the most important. It has an outsized cultural cachet, though, because if you watch any kind of 24-hour cable news network, you'll notice that a lot of what they do is read tweets on the air. And that's true, I think, of a lot of podcasts and a lot of other cultural productions. So there is this important cultural role that Twitter plays as like a place where internet culture, which is just really like culture now, uh, gets formed. Elon Musk is a power user of Twitter, has been using Twitter a long time as a way of rallying Tesla shareholders and Tesla fans. He's used it to express an interest in cryptocurrency, which led to changes in the price of the cryptocurrencies in question. He's a particular booster of Dogecoin. So it's a place where I think he is personally interested in the cultural production, how it works, all of that stuff. Matt Levine, who writes a newsletter for Bloomberg, has likened this to somebody who's like a really intense Madden player with a lot of money buying the company that makes Madden so that they will implement suggestions that he has about how to make Madden more fun to play. And I think that's like about right. Well, can you take us back to the beginning of this takeover saga between Elon and Twitter? Where does it all start? 
Earlier this year, Elon started doing some real pointed tweets about Twitter, saying things like he wanted to maybe build his own social media network. And, you know, he'd been thinking about free speech a lot and moderation, and he wasn't in favor of the way that Twitter was doing it. And while that was happening, um, he had been quietly buying up Twitter shares. Public knowledge of it starts in April, but Elon actually starts buying shares in January, and he is just quietly amassing a position in Twitter. He was, I think, Twitter's second largest shareholder with 9% of the shares. And we discovered this because he filed the wrong document with the SEC to disclose that. And that's like the first shot across the bow that something is really going on. Hmm. Then Twitter reaches out to him, perhaps to try to contain him, and they're like, hey, you want to be on the board? And he's like, sure, sounds great. Love the board. You know, there were a couple of days where we all thought, oh, this is, this is going to be shit poster representation on the board of Twitter. That's, that's exciting. Um, and then he backed out. The CEO, Parag Agrawal, sends out a tweet that's like, hey, so Elon's um, not joining the board, actually. We'll see what happens. But he decided that this wasn't going to be right for him. And then a couple of days after Elon declined the board position, that's when we saw the hostile takeover attempt. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that, Liz. I'm curious, is Elon's offer to buy Twitter a good one? <laughs> I mean, I think it depends on who you ask, right? Um, I, I first want to talk about the weed number aspect of it. The weed number? Back to marijuana, 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 marijuana. The weed number is an Elon thing. He thinks that the weed number is very funny. He wanted to take uh, Tesla private at 420 a share, which was like not an unreasonable um, valuation at the time, but still an internet meme 420 weed number, ha ha ha, happy 420 to all who celebrate type of thing. And so the bid for Twitter is 5420, which again, happy weed number. And it seems like that's part of his whole like shit poster troll thing. You know, he wants to be connected with certain parts of internet culture and the funny weed number is part of that. Um, so, you know, is this a good offer? I mean, it's a premium over when he started buying in, but it's not as high as Twitter shares were in the last year. Like at, at a couple of points, they got up as high as 70. So like you can imagine reasonably a world in which Twitter's board comes back to him and is like, actually, no, we want the other funny internet number. We'd like $69 a share, please. But in any case, we're talking about tens of billions of dollars in total. I think it was $43 billion for Twitter, which currently has a market cap of $37 billion. And Elon says this is his best and final offer, right? I mean, he does say that, but that's sometimes a negotiating position. So who knows? He indicated last week that he has a plan B in case this doesn't go through, which we'll see what plan B is. I don't know. But it does seem to me that like this, I'm sorry, this seems like a troll. Like this just seems like a massive troll of a massive social media network. And like, the idea that I should be taking this seriously, a lot of what Elon Musk does that seems unserious is probably stuff we should take seriously, but boy, you know, we've already had a couple of major shareholders announce that they're not interested in the deal and he doesn't have the financing lined up and it just seems like a huge distraction, I think, for Twitter. So I have a hard time seeing this as anything other than like God tier trolling.
And would it be a huge distraction for Elon Musk, too, who has pretty big companies to run? He's supposed to finish the Starship and go to the moon and then Mars. It's a long list of things to do. <laughs> He's a busy boy, right? Um yeah, it does seem like a significant distraction. I can't imagine him having the time to run three big businesses, especially because, you know, SpaceX is a big deal on its own. Like Gwen Shotwell is really good management. I assume she's doing most of the day-to-day -day stuff. She's got the background to do it, certainly. Tesla is a very influential automaker that also seems to have its own problems in terms of execution. Manufacturing is not a minor thing. Trying to make sure that you're building good cars is not a minor thing. There are sort of a lot of things going on. And so I don't know that like this is a great idea for Elon to get involved in yet another big project that he can't devote his full attention to. Well, let's have a little thought experiment anyways. I know you said that this is super unlikely that Elon Musk follows through and buys Twitter, but let's entertain the idea of what the future of Twitter might look like in a world where Elon Musk is the boss of Twitter. Uh, I have a real hard time speculating on what Elon Musk is going to do because I don't think anybody, including Elon Musk, necessarily knows it. So I don't know. I, I don't know what he's going to do. There's like one world where he decides that it's a free for all and we're not going to do content moderation at all. And Twitter becomes a vector for a lot of sort of negative things and maybe a lot of users leave. Um, one thing that he has complained about a lot is bots and spam, because every time he tweets, there are all of these like crypto spammers that are like, buy some Elon coin. I'm Elon and I'm giving stuff away. And Twitter has had a hard time reining that in. So maybe he tries to clear that up. I don't know. I do know that Twitter employees are not super jazzed at the prospect of having Elon Musk as their boss. And so it's very possible that if he does buy the company, his first order of business is going to have to be restaffing. Because if you're a computer programmer, like it's not that difficult for you to get another job. Well, as we've discussed, Elon says he's on this crusade to defend free speech. I wonder, what does that look like? Has he talked about who or what he thinks is threatening free speech or, or why he thinks it needs defending right now? Uh, not in a way that I feel like makes a ton of sense. There's been sort of this movement of people who say there's quote unquote cancel culture and all of these people are being quote unquote canceled online. And if you try to pin them down on what canceled means, that can be really difficult. So that can mean anything from being yelled at to losing your job to being threatened. There's like a wide array of potential consequences that are getting collapsed into this word cancel. And so I think for especially people on the right wing, this has felt like an ongoing problem, like they're being silenced and that they are being deplatformed in a way that feels unfair. And so I assume that's some of what's going on here. I mean, like Musk moved out of California because he didn't want to deal with the mask mandates here. He's been doing a bunch of production in his gigafactory in Texas so I think probably some of it is politically keeping conservatives happy because it's not like liberals are in charge of Texas. So, yeah, it feels very vague and not well informed, especially if you are familiar with people who really do care about how moderation online works. And one of the things that's maybe worth considering is that most audiences actually do like moderation. Like TikTok is the fastest growing platform in America, scaring Facebook. And it is also the most moderated. You're less likely to see troubling content there than you are in a lot of other places. It seems to be that a lot of users prefer being moderated. So 
I don't know totally how to characterize this in a way that um, captures the weirdness of this dynamic, but it certainly does seem like some users are particularly concerned about moderation tools being used to silence them. Okay, so Elon Musk is obviously just trolling us here, but what happens if or when the Twitter sale goes nowhere? Let's say Elon holds onto the stock he has. He'd be a pretty significant shareholder, but would he still have the power to make some of these decisions or push the board one way or another? Yeah, I mean, activist shareholding is is a well-established practice at this point. And there's actually already um, an activist group in Twitter. Uh, it's Elliott Management. They are, frankly, I think, a little scary. They came onto the board after threatening a proxy fight with Jack Dorsey and Twitter's then management. And Jack Dorsey stepped down um, I think maybe because he kind of felt like there was a sword dangling over his head. And if he had one bad quarter, he'd be out. You know, uh, there is a long history in America of activist shareholders doing things to cut costs and sell companies. Like that's part of what Carl Icahn does. That's why when Carl Icahn gets into a stock, there's a premium. So there's a possibility that even if this doesn't succeed, as long as Elon is in Twitter, he's potentially creating trouble for Twitter. And so one possibility that comes out of this is the way that you get away from Elon is you find a white knight to buy you out. You get a bid from somebody else who is not Elon and you go private with them. And this company is now in play. So I imagine that there are people who are probably looking at Twitter and thinking about whether they want to own it. Well, we're recording this episode on April 18th. It'll come out April 20th. What does the road look like immediately ahead? When is this going to get decided and... I guess, how fast is this freight train moving? I don't think it's moving super quickly. Like we've already had indication because of the poison pill that Twitter is not super happy about this situation. I expect they will probably reject the bid. At that point, there are a couple of things that could happen. One is, again, another offer. Another is something that Elon has been hinting at over the weekend, which is the possibility of a tender offer. And a tender offer is where he just goes directly to shareholders and is like, here's the price I'm willing to pay. You can sell me your shares and I will pay that much money for them. And if he decides to do that, then I think the poison pill becomes really important because that leads to dilution of shares. It makes it harder to buy up 51% of the company and take it. So... It seems like this is a thing where we're going to be seeing some chaos for the foreseeable future. I would be surprised if it doesn't last a couple of weeks, at least. Well, I know you said you didn't want to speculate, and this is my last question for you, but could you try and predict the final headline that The Verge will have to write about this whole thing? I know you guys are keeping track. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I hope it's 420 Blaze It. Um, but I, I I don't know. I really don't. Um, I don't think Elon succeeds, partially because the market doesn't think he's going to succeed. So maybe it all goes up in smoke. Fair enough. All right, Liz, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Today's episode was produced by Taylor Macon and engineered by Melissa Ponce from Hemlock Creek Productions. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.